Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Good Listeners Podcast presented by Heard It Here First Music Blog. Today on the show, we're interviewing Feelmonger, and then we're talking about music festival etiquette, specifically what to do with your inflatable couch. On the show today, we have myself, Jimmy, I'm your host, and we have Megan Dan, too. So we'll kick it off with them and then jump right into the interview. Meg, how are you today? I am doing pretty darn well. I got some great news today, um, which is, you know, always a good day. And uh, stoked for this interview. Uh, unfortunately, wasn't on it, but I've heard nothing but the greatest things about it. And I'm really excited for the uh, the good people to, the good listeners, excuse me, to hear what this very talented producer is all about. And now, Dan, on to you. How are you today? I'm doing well myself. And... Yeah, I'm really excited for today's episode. We got a great guest, one of our favorite up-and-coming bass music producers, Feelmonger. Really cool guy, really interesting story. You're going to hear about uh, a very unique double life uh, that includes it being a full-time dentist in addition to being a bass music producer. Uh, you know, over the last year, He's been putting out a lot of really cool music. Uh, really kicked off last year, about 10 months ago, actually, with the Viva La Vibrant mix that he put out. It was like a 40-minute mix of like all original music, really showing you know what's to come for the Feelmonger Project, which we get into in this episode. Uh, he's also put out some singles, Give it to you, which we uh, premiered or not premiered, but uh, you know, uh, covered on the blog. He's had some really cool remixes come out recently. Uh, one of which being "Jerk" by Oliver Tree, which is a really good one. Uh, and then another really just festival ready banger. Festival ready banger, in my opinion. I know Ari, uh, our founder and editor in chief, is a big fan of this one. Whip. Uh, he actually caught a video of Mersive dropping this at Okeechobee, uh, which was really cool to see. Just a big artist, you know, supporting, uh, you know, some of these up and coming talents. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear this interview so we can get right into it. Knowing that the interview's coming up, always good. Yeah, appreciate it. Hope hope you could uh, see some growth there too. Oh yeah, yeah. It's always fun to look at that too. Um, so, oh yeah, I bet. Nice. So you yeah. got new stuff coming up yeah. too that you want to talk about? Yeah, I got a. I've got some big plans for this year. Uh, originally, Viva La Vibrant was supposed to be a ten track kind of uh, LP, closer to an LP than an EP. Um, uh-huh. But due to just the scene and what what I thought was best for the project. And I talked to some people that have been in the industry a little bit longer and they suggested that, that at where I was at at the time, uh, LP might be too long to grab people's attention. Right. And it might be best to spread out those re- releases. I think so, that was uh, prudent advice. Yeah. Right. Right. So like, yeah, these last few months just been slowly dropping things a little bit more slowly track by track. And then, uh, with the EP in December there, uh, it's really led to some growth. Uh, but I do still have a lot of tracks in the chamber that 
I made during that same time period as uh, Viva La Vibrant, which actually two of the tracks on that EP came more recently, and that was uh, Truth and Love Me. Those are more recent productions, whereas the other two tracks there I produced actually uh, back in the summer of 21 when I was in Kosovo uh, for the military, right? Uh, so I had some extended period of time to myself to write those 10 tracks that were supposed to be the album. Uh, so I still have a lot of those tracks, which I'm going to spread out throughout the year here. Uh, but kind of like with the EP, I'm going to sprinkle in some new remixes and uh, new tunes there too. Dope. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Even, I, even, uh, even before Viva Love Vibrant, like you, you gave people a, a glimpse into the future of your project with that mix. I, I remember, I think it was, uh, wasn't it it was like over the summer right it was like the right i think i dropped it in like june or maybe may around that time period uh because like i had been stoked on uh those uh that collection of songs for a while right uh but my previous man management was trying to shift directions of the sound uh of the project when i signed with them uh they had some different ideas in mind so those kind of track uh the tracks that i just released were kind of took a back seat right while i produced some new new stuff but we i cut ties with them and then uh, i was i kind of was able to let loose uh so i dropped that i actually dropped it when i was still with them because i did want to release it but they didn't want to release it as like an al- album yet right um and then right. i think i cut ties with them a couple months at, after um and then at that point i was like well now i have the freedom to release it so uh, but I kind of went off on a tangent there. I think I kind of forgot your original question, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're all good. I, I was I was just talking about um, the the mix that you dropped over the summer. Yeah, 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 that yeah. that was like giving giving everyone you know just like a glimpse into the future of the project, which it, it was just it was really sick. Yeah, that yeah, it was really uh, it was really awesome to have the feedback that it got because like. Uh, I had been sitting on it for a while. So, you know, some of the stoke that I had for it hadn't like gone, right? I wasn't as excited about the sound. I was like, oh man, I, I got to write this new stuff, new new style. And then the feedback I got from the mix really validated like, all right, okay, so people still fuck with the sound, right? So um, I do want to still evolve, but for a while there, I was trying to ditch that kind of sound, right? And uh uh, the track Love Me kind, kind of came from that. Um, but at the end of the day, I still couldn't help myself and throw in some of the old influences, right? But it, it turned out dope. Uh, uh, and that's one of the like tracks I'm most most proud of. And I think it's the most representative of the future of the, the, the project. Um, that in truth. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah, with the mix, it was just great to like, to kind of put the music out there, but not officially. So like I could still take feedback and change things and see what people liked and then kind of plan out the, the next few releases based on that. Right. The magic of the ID. How about it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's a good way to put it, man. That's yeah, always in development until cool. it's released. Um, exactly. Exactly. On that, on that note, do you ever struggle when you're like, ah, this track is done but then you're like ah it's not done i need to do more with it and then you 
end up in a loop where you're trying to go back and, right. and make something better. Do you ever do that or how do you handle that? Yes. I'm a, I struggle with that big, big time. Right. So, uh, what I found works best for me is actually to put like a hard deadline on, on myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes it doesn't even work if the deadline is just self-imposed. Right. I sometimes need the pressure of like uh, collective, right. Uh, like, Wubbaholics, uh, I did a ha- ha- Halloween comp with them a couple years back, right? And like, uh, of course, with them, with a label like their size, right? You, there's a hard cutoff, right? So like that kind of pressure really puts me in the zone. I can flow, right? Um, so self-imposed deadlines kind of do the same same trick, but really just announcing to the world, hey, I'm going to release this track on this date. And then me knowing like, okay, if I need, if I'm going to meet this date, which I have spread to the world now, I need to have the track ready by this time sent out to my mastering uh, guy at this date. And that, that's what, that's how I finish tracks. Right. Sometimes I'm not, not satisfied, but like I, you, you got to turn, turn it in sometimes, but then that opens up the possibilities for like VIPs and mix uh, and like doing like mixes and live shows. Like, so mm-hmm. for me, a track's never actually done because I'm going to keep fucking around with it uh, to play out live, right? Yeah, that's awesome. I like that you have a mastering person as well because I'm sure once you get in that echo chamber where it's just you and your track and you're, and you're sitting there trying to get it right, that eventually, like, you need another set of ears to come in there and say, like, right. hey, this is great, but you need to make this louder. And then you're like, oh. Right, <laughs> Exactly. And they're, and they're like, honestly, they're freaking wizards, man. Like I tried to learn it myself. Cause like, it's, I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's like expensive to, and like to find a guy or to find the person that, that knows the sound you're going for and can deliver a solid product each time. Like, you know, I, I did, it did take some time for me to, to find him. Right. Um, so it's just, I find that if I don't have to worry about it, it frees me up to focus more on like the musicality of the, the, the track, right? Uh, right. How it flows and sound design and things like that. Um, and like, I don't have a treated room, right? So I'm producing off of headphones most of the time, uh, do a lot of car tests, right? Of course. Right. <laughs> uh, so like I can only do so much. And when, like now that I'm playing out on bigger systems, I, I really want that low end to be as crisp and clear as possible. And I found that when I was playing out myself masters, it just wasn't doing it for me. So I, I knew that if I wanted to take the next step, you know, I didn't have the time to devote to it. So the next, the, the most logical thing was to find somebody. And I don't think there's a shame, shame in that. Right. No, like no, probably not. These, no. these guys spend like hours, right. They've spent so much more time on that side of the craft. Right. Yeah, they but know what they're doing when they get in time, there and they're doing right? it right. Yeah, yeah. Some some of the yeah. most talented producers like still have like their own mastering engineer. Like, right, yeah. yeah. There's there's no shame in it at all. Yeah, you ever heard of a couple right. guys named Daft Punk? Like they, they were <laughs> the kings of getting a collaboration done. The the lists of credits for each of their tracks is twenty to thirty people. Right, right. It's crazy. I love seeing that kind of thing because it just brings in so many people to the music and so many voices. Um so as long as you can right. you know, get what you're going going for with that original idea, then it's uh it's always good. Right, right. Like don't get me wrong, I would love to if I could do it full time. 
like devote all my time to getting really good at mastering so I could get like the exact sound that I wanted. Um, I would love to, right? But like not not in this world. <laughs> right. Like at this time. Yeah. And uh like going back to you know creating these like um you know uh your own deadlines that you need to stick to. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you think that your time in the army like helped out with that from like a discipline standpoint and because uh, like you honestly have a pretty unique career outside of music if you want to yeah yeah uh, talk about that as well yeah I've been through a, a bit there yeah my uh time in the military I will say like I was a dentist in the military so it wasn't like this extreme like tank driving gun shooting like adventure that I went on like yeah I did I did see tanks I like flew in a chopper right but like uh, for a lot of the time I was just in a dental clinic, I was serving, uh, soldiers, right. On a military base and like throughout the year I would do field, field trainings and things like that. But yeah, it definitely puts you in a different mindset, right. When you're just around, when you're in that environment where deadlines are like, uh, there's a phrase in the military. It's like, if you're, if you're on time, you're late, uh, right. They expect you to be there 10, 10 minutes before the actual start time. Right. Um, so that kind of mentality when you're in it, like 24 seven, it, it really does motivate you. And it, you know, uh, it, what's it called? Uh, it influences you. Right. Of course. Definitely. Uh, and, um, you know, like, so like you're, you're still a dentist today and still like producing. And- yeah. A, a, a lot of things I read on Twitter uh, from, from artists, it's like related to how do you, how do you balance it all? Like if you like work like a nine to five job, but like you also produce music um, and then you, and then like all the other things in between, like how, how do you, um, you know, like stick to a schedule and like, what does that look like? Do you like produce in the morning before you go to the, dentist office or is it (laughs) right right or like a late night thing so uh when i was in the military as a a dentist my day was pretty filled right so i didn't actually have a a lot of time to produce during the day so like you're saying i would have to produce before work or after work uh but you know i was married i had a daughter so i had to spend a lot of time with family there as well right so to to really focus on the passion, like you're saying, I really did have to find time. I had to choose what to sacrifice, and a lot of the times it was sleep, right? Uh, learn to function on uh, maybe four or five, six, six hours a night, right? So I could spend maybe two hours a day trying to produce. But as far as was it on a strict schedule? Um, no, like I. I wish I was more disciplined to be honest, was better at time management to like block off time. But the way my life was, I just had to, when I felt the flow, I I wrote music. Right. And I could spend like 10, 12 hours uh, just going to town. Right. And then like uh, not touch it for like a week. Right. So it'd be kind of in spurts like that for a while, while I was real busy at work. Um, 
And then as I progressed in my career, as I got out of the military, was deployed and things like that, I found more time throughout the day while I was at work, like between patients, things like that, where I, I could do different things like sound design and uh, uh, devote more time to the craft. Uh, and then a lot of the times we would get like an hour lunch break. So I would spend a lot of my lunch breaks producing, right? Um, so you when when you're doing all kinds of stuff when you're trying to live your life you know make money and do things uh i think you just have to really really try and squeeze it in uh where where you can like don't try not to stress out and like i'm not gonna lie i'm blessed because of the job that i have you know it does pay well right so there are some things i don't i don't have to worry about that some some producers do right um but when i i will i mean i've been there though Right. When I started producing like eight, 10 years ago, I was uh, living in a studio apartment by myself, struggling to pay bills. Right. So, uh, I mean, I I get both sides. And even then, you just got to like squeeze. I just tried to squeeze it in then, too. Um, Yeah. And until you're full time, I think that's like the best way to do it. I really respect like the guys that I know that. like moved out to Denver and just pursued it full time. Right. Right. Um, and in, in a different life, maybe, but with my responsibilities and like my family, uh, but like you said, I, I've been down this unique path and, uh, I think it definitely contributes to the music that I am making. Right. Definitely. Uh, speaking no, of that, Dan and I were, were chatting yesterday and we were wondering when the chip Skylark flip is coming. Uh, my, my shiny teeth and me. My shiny teeth and me. Uh, the, the feelmonger flip. Emma Dome, right? I yeah. Would love yeah. To actually, like that might have to become a thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're waiting for the the dentistry visuals Maybe, and, uh, and all that, and Chip Skylark uh, on the, on the screen. I'm feeling a a trappy remix to that to go with the oh, yeah. ease there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fire. Uh, yeah. We were also wondering if you'd ever uh, taken the time to sample your dentistry tools. You know, to, I've uh, thought about it, right, right, <laughs> but I've not yet brought a uh, field recorder in quite yet. Uh, I, for the most part, I try and keep like my two lives separate. There's like the professional, like me, right, the dentist mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and then uh, once I leave, it's the the, the real me, right. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 all that being said. So one of my favorite reels that I've seen recently was you in the dentist's office, like testing new IDs. Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that was so funny. Right. Like, like I, I love that. Like I was saying, like, you just got to squeeze it in. Right. And like between patients. Yeah. I've got my head headphones in and I'm, I'm working. Right. <laughs> we were also thinking that you could like revolutionize the uh, dentist office experience. Like, you know how, like, uh, when the, the patients are laying back and you got like yeah, the, yeah. the TVs up on the ceiling, you mm-hmm. could just, in, instead of like putting movies out there, you could just put like Lost Land sets or like Eden right Street, live Vegas sets, sets. Half <laughs> land streams, man. Just half. I honestly, half it would be half club. It would be the dream to like become like the the destination for like dubstep fans. Right. You travel, <laughs> you travel here, get work done. Right. I'll, I'll give y'all a discount. Right. 
and then one. yeah you like flash your festival band from from right, where you okay, played okay, most yeah, recently yeah, yeah. and you get a discount right, right. <laughs> number <laughs> one free number filling one base head dentist exactly that's that's my title on yelp right um <laughs> i guess at that point you might as well just take the dentistry show on the road and uh bring the, op- bring the office go, in an rv go on tour man right <laughs> go on tour you got one tour bus for the dentistry and one right. tour bus for the music exactly but. bro do dentistry during the day right and then like <laughs> switch <Dentistry>. it over <laughs> hey that hey that might be com- coming to a town near near you guys you know if there's anyone who needs a little dental work i think it's i think it's the everyday <laughs> right. festival goer <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, hey, you know just, how you know how they do like the the contests like before the show like a meet and greet like uh-huh. it should just be like who wants a free like dentist procedure before a teeth and greet teeth and greet dude that's amazing that's awesome <laughs> get, get a cleaning in right before the fest you're squeaky clean yeah. for the whole festival <laughs> if we could get sponsored by Aspen or something man this 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 could be a real thing we'll, we'll call up Colgate and Let's say we got a in, guy right? for you. yeah. I just want right? you to think of us when that idea blows up. <laughs> I'll let y'all know. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, what's the, what's, like, the craziest, dent, like, dental story? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we were chatting. We from, were, like. From when you were deployed. Like, craziest from procedure with the least amount of equipment available. Just, like, you're having to hobble this together. Right. I wish I had a story like that. Right. I don't have a personal story of mine, but one of my buddies, right. He did have to do a tooth extraction in like, in like the field, right. With his pocket knife. Oh so that's the, the gnarliest thing. <laughs> that's, right? that's exactly what we were thinking about might've happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like I didn't have trenches. to experience it like firsthand, but I did hear about it. So it does happen. Right? <laughs> yeah. the stories are, are true. <laughs> but like my experience on my deployment it was honestly pretty cush uh i was in like a safe spot right i had like a hard standing building i had like like uh hard standing showers man <laughs> like mm. for a deployment it was it was a pretty big deal right like plumbing right um so I didn't have too many like crazy experiences out there i did get to interact with like a bunch of like turkish soldiers some italians some hungarians like it was a nato base that i was on right oh i'm not sure how much i should be talking about this right (laughs) but (laughs) that's the whole world (laughs) right (laughs) i'm out now though so i think i i I think i'm free i think i'm free that's a great way to put it uh I have my uh, freedom of speech back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're telling you to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, crap. I think I see a laser guy. Oh. <laughs> um, how, how many years were you in the military? And, and how did you go from, you know, a kid to deciding that you wanted to be a dentist in the military? Oh, right. Okay. Like, how did that transition happen? Because we, we kind of got the info on how it happened to you going from dentist right, to right, DJ. Right. But how, how did that start? the origin story right all right okay so like uh i was telling y'all when i was like a broke college student right uh so i was in college uh now my wife right um and she we we had a unplanned daughter who is now 11 right but at that time uh 
newborn, one one year old, right? I was a junior in college when she was born. So I was like, holy crap, I gotta like get off my butt. It's a lot of things go, to handle. Go, go do <laughs> do something, right? Yeah, because like the the year or two before that, I had discovered dubstep and was like going to shows, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so like it was a wild shift from like, oh, all right, I was living this lifestyle. Now I gotta like, like I could have like not like grown up and like gotten a job, right? Um, or gone down that path. Um, but that's not who I wanted to be. So I was like, ah, oh, crap, I need to do something. Uh, dentistry was always on, uh, on my mind from like high school. That dream had like fallen by the way- wayside while I was like going to shows and stuff like that. Right. I was, uh, I'm, I was just going to keep coasting for a bit. <laughs> um, but that kind of motivated me to, to do something sooner. So I applied to dental school. Um, and at the same time, I got accepted to a private school, which is like super expensive, right? Like uh, to to be like Frank, some of my classmates graduated with uh, upwards of $400,000 in loans, right? And like, I, I know people who graduated from California schools with uh, twice that, right? Um, so dental school was very expensive. So uh, I applied for the military scholarship through the army and I was accepted to that. Uh, so throughout through dental school they paid me and then um and they paid for my school of course and then after i graduated with my degree i would i agreed to work for them in return for the scholarship right mm-hmm. for four four years so at the end of the day i was active duty for four years up until um last june mm-hmm. well there you go um I, I just got out of grad school last year and half the class was military and they were, they were, uh, they were yeah, yeah, with the yeah. military paying for it. So, uh, it's yeah, definitely, it's a, it's a really nice perk, man. Yeah. Definitely a great option for anyone who's trying to get something done without taking on a, a lifetime of debt, you know? <laughs> right. Right. I guess you would know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. No. And like, uh, I've met a bunch of great, great people. Like it, it wasn't always the most amazing thing. Like, you know, I spent a couple of days out in the mo- hobby desert in the middle of july in a tent right (laughs) it was terrible um (laughs) but it was like a unique uh unique memorable experience i'm sure Um, i'm sure like there's definitely a lot of great things that came out of it i'm sure you got that structure right and um kind of view of the world again you get to see the world too right right true it was the first time like when they sent me abroad i got to go see germany for like a day or so right um, and then, yeah, so it did get me out of the U S which was nice, but yeah, I was lucky in the job that I had. And like, I'm not going to say like, I, I know some people's military experiences wouldn't be the same. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of tough jobs that I, that I saw, right. But there were a lot of cool jobs too. Like I would love to be a freaking chopper pilot, man. That was awesome. Right. <laughs> That'd be sick. Um, yeah, you. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, yeah, you wake up and you your job is literally to go fly a chopper. You get paid for it, man. Yeah. <laughs> right. A friend of mine lives on the coast in Spain and flies helicopters. Like, <laughs> it's not a bad, not a bad life, thing, man. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think in the event of World War Three, there's a problem there, but uh, <laughs> until right, then, true. he's coasting on the coast of Spain, huh? <laughs> um. So. You mentioned, uh, like in college, like, uh, you, you were like just getting into the dubstep and like going to shows, like 
Who were some of the artists that uh, you saw Ooh. in like some of those first shows? All right, so let's see. The early first 2010s. show, I yeah, early 2010. The my very first show ever was. I, I know his name is really taboo to say these days, right? But this is yeah. my the history, right? So it was uh, Base Center, like two or it was one of the earliest ones, and it was in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, it was the very first first one there, or the very first show for for me, right? Um, yeah, I experimented with some stuff there, right? And yeah, <laughs> from that point on, like my life was changed. Uh, not not just by whatever I did there, right? But also like just I had never seen live music like that before. Like I think my concert experiences prior to that were, uh, let's see. Like the Goo Goo Dolls back in like 2008, like it was wild, right? The so, pop rock era, right, right, right. Like I wasn't ever a a concert goer, right? So this was a unique experience, and it like blew my mind, right? And then I started to branch out a little bit more. I went to a lot of Pretty Lights. Um, love, I followed him around. I caught Skrillex a bunch of times. Mm. Uh, there's a festival that I went to called Counterpoint. I'm not sure if y'all have heard of that, that one. That, that sounds very familiar. But if you like Google the lineup to that, it's from like 2011 or like 2010, right? But like the headliners were Pretty Lights, Skrillex, Swedish House Mafia, Avicii, Bass Nectar, Pretty Lights. It was the most insane festival in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, wow. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, I also was listening to a lot of early Grizz back then too. Uh, back before he blew up real big, Mad Liberation, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. And and before that too, the end, end of the world par party was when I found him. Uh, so from that era on, and let's see. I love that era, Grizz. <laughs> right, right. And then one of my favorites back from back in the day was uh, G, G. Jones, mm -hmm. uh, old, old Trappy style. New Beats 2015, like classic, right? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard that one, go check it out. G. Jones doesn't write music like that now, right? But no, like, not was, really. Uh, it was a fun, fun little time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's dope. But, yeah, I, I'd say my like dubstep upbringing was probably pretty different. Of course, I listened to like uh, the Zed's Dead three remixes eyes on fire you know saw a lot of the U ukf stuff but well, like, one of my uh, first real shows was knife party and and that's the i, yes, I love i love that era of dubstep so much because yes, like when skrillex too, was man. on the radio and all that kind of stuff like oh man nero and all I, that yeah i just I saw nero last month old skrillex i have yet to catch nero but i would love, um, love to i saw it's just the one now just the i think it's the brother out of the three okay, of them okay. Yeah. Um, and he opened for Dead Mouse, and it was just like oh, he, sta he started off with a lot of like low key kind of techno stuff, and then he transitioned right, right. into that 2010s death dubstep, and it was just so right. You're like, perfect. Yes. It was like everything I wanted to hear. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and then you got to see Dead Mouse as well. But oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, man. I followed it up uh, with Dead like, Mouse. <laughs> you're all good. Uh, no, I was just gonna say like Welcome Reality was definitely like a turning point for me in terms of like dubstep appreciation and just okay like, yeah wow we were, this is this is different we were talking to raven's coon uh, a couple months ago and that was also one of yeah. his favorite albums too 
Okay. Um, and you guys had a collab back in the day, no? Yeah, yeah, we we did have a collab. Control. That's right. Yeah. No, I'm I, that. That's like that was like my first introduction to both of you, I think. And it was like, oh, right, really? It was like right after I had caught uh, you guys, like during a live stream, like during like peak pandemic. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just cool to look back on that. Yeah, me and Paul have been in talks like for a while now, like probably a couple of years before that track came out. And like we're still in like touch these days. Like uh, he's a very busy man these days, right? <laughs> and like I'm super super proud to see to see that growth, right? And like to see him rewarded. And it does give me uh, hope that like you know hard work and talent pays off, right? Um, but yeah, control was a fun fun one. And we've been like we've sent a few more pro- projects back and forth, and like we're constantly saying to each other, let's do it, let's do it, let's do the next one, right? <laughs> um, but uh, it's not yet come to fruition, but it definitely will will happen again. That's dope. Well, we're yeah, all waiting like, for it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've noticed like he and like a lot of other artists have like really been like branching out and like exploring like different subgenres that you wouldn't normally hear from them. Yeah, right, uh, right. Are are there like any subgenres that like you have a particular interest in exploring more? Um, I would love to get a little bit deeper into like deep dubstep. Like, uh, like a really large part of me wants to have like a boilerplate kind of like get invited mm. to the death un- un- underground, like by the train tracks, and yeah. just have this like grimy, sweaty, like dark dubstep kind of vibe right one red light um, above, the, above the stage <laughs> right right um, i love to experiment more with that right and just uh less less like mids and highs and more just a, aggressive lows man yeah um like, some, like, like some deep dark and dangerous type stuff yeah 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 i love finding old sets like that like porter robinson has, has a really old one that was from like 2012 does the same thing I'll it's just like check it out yeah, they're just like hidden gems, like all, oh. all these great DJs that we that we know and love, you know, like they, they right? had these eras in music, especially in the early 2010s, where that was right. what people did. And exactly. It, I just, I just I that love actually, that era. Yes, that, that reminded me of another big influence of mine back in the day was actually Diplo back in the Mad Decent days. Oh, yeah. Like I went to like the Mad Decent block party, like that uh, tra- that era trappy kind of dubstep. I'm all about that. Did right? you go to the one in DC like, back in the day? No, I went to the one in Nashville. I would have uh, loved to go to the DC. I bet I, that I one happened to be insane. at the one in DC. I I don't remember much of it. I was uh, me neither. Y- man. Young and inexperienced. Was, <laughs> right, same, was, same here. That was like one of the greatest single day things. Were I've you at that seen. one, Dan? I think I went to I it at Merriweather. At that, I, I was at that one. It was. Uh, who it was Major Laser, Zedstead, Flosher Damas, Linus, oh. who is a member right? of the night, uh Riff Raff, <laughs> uh Scream, Tic Tac Toe, and Grizz. Dude, that's right. crazy. These lineups were ridiculous. These uh, block parties. Yeah. They they're wild. And like you're saying, one day events. Mm. Yeah, there's <laughs> like, you know, like from like 4 p.m. to like 11 p.m. Right, and then like, you get to drive home, grab McDonald's, sit on your couch, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
watch Golden Girls because it's the only thing on, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of from experience here, guys. <laughs> yeah. A lot a lot of experience, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good time. <laughs> oh, that uh, that lineup also had subtract with no vowels. I remember that from back in the day. I, yeah, that was I, I miss the uh, the old Flostradamus stage, the like the army stage Yo, that they used to have, yeah. where they turned they turned the crowd into a, into a war zone. It was it was one hell of an experience. <laughs> oh yeah, got, it was it was I when that it. song came out. I think. <laughs> I yeah, I, no, I I have beef with Flostradamus for that exact reason because I got my phone stolen at. Oh no! I was, like, during, during I, I was that at that show. <laughs> I was in. I was yeah. at that one. <laughs> Lost, yeah. lost my phone, then lost all my friends. And then I was like, all right. Oh, no. This sounds like a Flash of Dama show, man. That yeah. <laughs> sounds about right. Dan, uh, Dan and I, I have I, crossed I paths. Hey, yeah. I miss that that style of, like, I hate to say, but, like, ig- ignorant trap is the best way. Like, yeah. like yeah. just, like, I want to get ignorant to it, man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I think there's a time and a place for it. And I think that uh, some of these smaller festivals are a great place to do it uh, or to have that. Right, right. Like I've been to a couple of like, the bigger ones. Time. Once you get too much of a crowd, it's it's like kind of out of hand. But it gets kind of dangerous. Right? Yeah, but when yeah. there's space and there's like a little bit of an older crowd and people are like, know what they're doing, you know, I, right, I think right, there's, right. there's definitely room for it in the scene just to have fun. Yeah, exactly, man. As a as a dentist, have you ever witnessed someone get their tooth knocked out in a mosh pit? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There was a guy like a uh, so I I work near Duke, and uh, yeah, there was a guy who came in. Uh, I forget which show he went to. Might have been Bor- Borgor uh, <laughs> last, last week, and he was like, "This dude head uh, head banged me. He was head banging, and his head hit his chin." Uh, and like he chi- he chipped his teeth from damn. from that. And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, damn, it was uh, a small tip, but like I'm sure, like there's been much much worse, man. <laughs> he probably probably left a sizable dent in that dude's head, right? <laughs> <laughs> Old oh tooth tooth shaped dent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. speaking of tooth teeth falling out. Uh, what? I guess as a dentist, a representative of the dentist community, what are the thoughts on the tooth fairy? Uh, pro okay, tooth okay. fairy or, or against tooth fairy? <laughs> uh, I, I was definitely pro tooth fairy. I, I, I went to some lengths to uh, help her out there. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> My daughter's 11. Uh, she's, I've been visited many a times. Ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Doing us all a favor, you know. <laughs> Get, getting rid of those teeth. Now, who wants them? Right. <laughs> Brings them to the dental students that need fake teeth to, to practice on so we can stop pulling them out of, like, old people. <laughs> Is that what they do with them? Ah. <laughs> I've always wondered, hey, how do you get so good somehow, with teeth? <laughs> Plastic teeth will only get you so far, man. Yeah, you need the real thing, the calcium. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's that, so funny. I had I, I never even thought about it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what a, What a great way to do that. Right. I, I would say that for most people, the less you think about the details of dentistry, the better off you are. Guys. You know, I just, I just went to the dentist last week uh, or this week. Um, I need to go back and get a, a tooth fixed up. But. Sorry, man. You want to come see me 
We'll play. I'll play you some some dubstep. Yeah, we'll do we'll do the old uh, traveling RV show at the next festival. How about that? Right, right. <laughs> Recorded as an extra episode. I, I I honestly might actually take you up on that because I Dan needs to see a dentist. It's I, I been really, two I years. Really <laughs> hey, I'm only. I, I think if I don't know about y'all two are years, in DC, but... that's five hours. Yeah, it's, it's close to two years. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> it's never too late, Dan. It, it's not. To, hey, to it's it's better around. than four years, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, and you know, I I know you just said you live near Duke. I'm actually a huge North Carolina fan. Oh uh, man! Well, like, to be honest, I don't have a. Uh, I've not picked a side yet. I just moved to the area, right? So I have well, no real real allegiance yet. So, uh, so you have to be, you have to be to careful just, when you decide. Just, <laughs> just like it's not too late for me to return to the dentist. It is certainly not too late for you to hop on the Tar Heel train. <laughs> I've definitely thought about it, man. But also, there's an NC State here too. The Wolf Pack. Uh, Fuck the Wolf Pack. See the yeah. The I know wolf. the Wolf Pack. If you can't go the to scrappy, college, go to scrappy state. underdog, man. <laughs> the underdog. Well, I, I just I just like that Carolina blue too much. I, I think out of the three of them, it's nice. It's nice. Just too good of a color. And like, as a soccer fan, like. The Tar Heels oh, men's yeah, soccer, sick. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I definitely lean towards them, right? But you know, working near Duke, you get influenced. I'm no, sorry, no. man. No, it's, <laughs> tough. it's tough. They got Prince, a nice campus. <laughs> the what is it like the what do they call it like the Harvard of the South, the Princeton of the South? I would believe it, man. I, would, there, I, I mean, there, it. there are some smart people at Duke. I got right, it. right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Crazy. around Duke too, like dentists. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, it's funny because uh, uh, my my mom went to Duke and my aunt went to no North Carolina, and my mom went or my aunt went to North Carolina. So uh, my aunt got to me first. Right, right. Fan base. Your mom's probably real disappointed and confused, man. Uh, I'm sorry. Sorry to break it to I, you. I saw, I saw, <laughs> I saw her hand trembling as she was signing the check to Roy Williams basketball camp. <laughs> so that that was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> but um, you played some pretty cool festivals last year. Uh, I want to say it was beyond beyond the void and yeah, uh, Interstellar in Kentucky. Yes, yes, that that was. An amazing experience. That was at a speedway. Um, oh, that's so sick! Right, and just like pulling up to it, I was like, "This is like I had never been to a speedway before." That that bad boy is huge, man! Like monstrous. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like double, triple, maybe even quadruple, like some football stadiums. Like it's right, it's right, crazy. Like it definitely wasn't filled to the brim. Like don't get me wrong, but like right. just the size of like the structure was insane and it was a great festival too yeah i uh, went on before smokeland got got the crowd nice and ready for him but like oh hell yeah yeah the the, the second half of my set was going off because you know that crowd was was ready for it right so uh hell yeah that, that was a fun fun one did you uh did you like stick around uh after your set and like catch some of the other artists playing hell yes that was like uh i met so many homies there like uh i actually after my set um me and paul ravenscoon we were just talking about him me and him actually uh played around the same time um 
he was playing during the beginning half of my set, but I met up with him after the set and we went to got and got some street tacos. Uh, we saw, we sat down on the speedway track, ate our tacos, watched Piku and Mersive. It was dope, man. That's so sick. <laughs> right? I it was that. super dope. That's so cool. And but then, yeah. Uh, where, where was Beyond the Void again? Beyond the Void was in Medora, Indiana. So kind of in a similar area. So kind of in the same region there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely like a smaller town, like more, definitely more un- underground kind of festival, right? Definitely. Uh, but like su- super intimate the vibes were on point um and again like i I just love playing festivals because like you meet a bunch of people i met racket there right hung out with him a bunch uh awesome yeah no i I really love those types of festivals yeah um, where you know it it really just feels like everyone is there for the the same reasons and you you really feel that like sense of community yeah exactly man and like as, as an artist it feels like I don't know if it feels like you have more freedom at those kinds of festivals, right? Don't feel as uh, pressured to play, play the more normal kind of stuff, right? Maybe yeah. venture out a little bit further. Yeah. And like the, you know, attendees there, like, I feel like can like truly appreciate like what they're hearing. Right. Um, and what, one thing I also like about those types of festivals is, uh, you know, like no matter where an artist is like on the lineup, like, year wise like you mm-hmm. still see them out like in the crowd like sorting each other right yeah uh and that i i just love seeing that like i remember at soundhaven this last year it, we were like right next to uh ultra sloth all three of those guys and we were just like, getting down during like cursa yeah it, it was just like so cool to see them one like getting down to that but also like freaking out over certain drops and it's just like one big right? producer freaking out over another big brain producer i just love that yeah it's super easy to get inspired when the when the sound system is that big man <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely. right definitely uh when you were like continuing to learn production were there any albums like outside of electronic music that kind of like stuck to you and like inspired your musical journey uh while i was producing uh, while i was learning to produce i was listening to a lot of like kid kid cuddy uh Kanye West my beautiful dark twisted uh fantasy was big for me back in the day too and I think like those two were probably my last albums I had on repeat that um before I started into electronic music a bit more right um and to this day I still love like bands like uh Dispatch like jam bands Dispatch is like one of my favorite bands I still listen to them all the time um but heavy rotation for me usually was electronic music and back in the day i would just try and branch out and listen to like as much as much weird stuff as possible um right uh it is yeah so for the past probably decade or so i'm not i hate to say it but i've been pretty uh i've had a pretty solid diet of electronic music i i do need to branch out more i'm right there with you like i i've been very heavy electronic music for past five six years now right it really has just taken over but uh every now and then like i do love putting on you know like different bands right right uh and like 
I, I need to get back into rap. Like I, I started right, out exactly. as like a hip hop and rap fan. Right. Like I love Vince Staples. Uh, big, yeah. big, big fish theory was one of the al- albums that I love too. And like that actually had like a little kind of like electronic kind of vibe. Right. I actually still electronic, but like less dubstep. I listened to a ton of justice. I've seen, I've seen them live. That show was amazing. Um, this is so sick. Yeah, Justice is dope. That live show was amazing, and like, yeah, he inspired. They inspired Skrillex, so like, yeah, they're they're a big influence. And like, uh, Glitch Mob drink drink the sea was big too. I like like the cinematic kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I yeah, I I really like those types. Uh, like like you said, like cinematic projects where it seamlessly transitions from song to song, and like. You know, like really tells a story. Right, right, and yeah, like, like you're saying, telling a story, and that's what I like aim to do with my project there as well. So I really resonated with those projects, like a man, man on the moon, one and two, like storytelling, and then like of course Charles the First Man, right? Yeah. So, yeah, just the I don't know, bringing out that emotion and going on like those journeys, like the all the bands that we just talked about. I feel like they all hit the nail on the head with it. 100%. Yeah. Um, looking ahead for the Feelmonger project, like you mentioned that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to continue releasing uh, some more music this year. Uh, like, do you have any plans on like the collab side of things? And are you collaborating with anyone right now that you can talk about? Um. So for the last little bit, I, I like decided to cut off collabs for a bit and just focus on like finding my new sound. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Or the sound that I, I want to move forward with. Um, and that period just recently ended and now I'm starting to talk to some producers, put some feelers out. Um, racket is one that, um, we, we've been in touch about. I think, uh, I'm real excited about that one. Um, there's no projects that, are current right now um but within probably the next month or so i'm sure we'll we'll get a few going there oh yeah and is that racket like r-a-a-k-e-t yes i think that's how you would say it i'm pretty sure when i met him that's how he said it so <laughs> oh yeah uh but yeah he's a dope producer he, he, his new track homecoming that he just dropped yesterday super super dope like drumline kind of horn sound like um, I actually asked him for the stems for that because I really want to uh, turn that into like a kind of trap heater, uh, eight oh eight banger, man. And then hopefully I'll have that out to y'all within the next month or so. Hell yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I know Jimmy wanted to end with some pretty terrible dentist jokes. Uh, okay, yeah, I've, right. I've heard they're really great. All right, all right. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> where do dentist where do dentist DJs like to play their music? Where do dentist DJs like to play their music? On the dance floor, I. <laughs> I'm gonna give that a two out of ten. <laughs> Nine out of ten, Dennis. Would uh, recommend what... that joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What, what kind of award? That would not. <laughs> what kind of award does a DJ dentist? Oh, I know this. 
one actually. Do you do you want me to spoil it for you? Oh, go ahead. Wait. Go ahead. I'm sure you got another. <laughs> no, it's a. I would get a plaque, right? Oh wow! I wrote that myself. That's uh, I didn't know that existed. <laughs> you would you would get a plaque. <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> Where? Why are dentists the best DJs? Uh, um. Because they're great at filling the room. Wow. Wow. Why are dentists great with dogs? Because they're experienced working with canines. Uh, What's a dentist's favorite Pennsylvania festival? (laughs) Camp Biscos Pids. Uh, uh, for those who don't know a a biscuit pid is a premolar transitional tooth between a canine and a molar of course we we usually it's usually pronounced bicuspid bisco pids is cool but i have heard that i have heard that i do appreciate the effort for for the joke though uh, what's the difference between an army private and a dentist <laughs> kinds of drills they use unless they're both oh, okay okay <laughs> yeah um i got i got two more <laughs> all right all right what's a dentist's <laughs> worst fear during the pandemic uh a gum recession <laughs> <laughs> what does a dentist I... think of first when they hear an excision track a, a drill right incisors <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, truly terrible. I think maybe one or two hey. of those was uh, acceptable. but um... A few of those are solid, man. <laughs> right? Solid like but, calcium. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to try and make, make that joke, but I figured you would, so thank <laughs> you. <laughs> well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you let me uh, tell my dentist jokes. Um, no, I love them. I'm, uh, to I'm be a... honest, I'm going to steal a few of them, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll, send, I'll drop them in the chat. <laughs> well uh, i'm gonna make that a segment too so we're gonna we're gonna start getting segments in our show we don't really have many right now we, we do like there a roundup we do interviews but we don't really have segments so this 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 will be our segment and our interviews now as we have jokes so you were the first one to uh to sit through that <laughs> hey you. i loved it it was an honor <laughs> well we uh we really enjoyed having you on uh, we're excited yeah, for the new music um yes really really waiting out for that full-length lp that might come one day um but maybe 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 we'll have a whole new few uh a few singles and mixes uh and ep very well planned totally not planned totally 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 not (laughs) (laughs) well we loved having you on and uh we'd love to have you again in the future um thank you we'll get dan down to do some dental work and then yes, we'll, we'll yes. get working on that Chip Skylark remix. I'm sure that's yes, uh, it's already in the works. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I pulled up the samples. Or, or, right. And I will be awaiting my plaque. All right, guys. Yes. Yeah. We'll make you a good listener's recurring guest plaque the second time you come on. And we'll put it right in the mail. There you go. Okay. I have to earn it first. All right. All right, boys. Amazing. Y'all have a good right. night. Thanks so much, Matt. Thank you, man. Yeah, it was fun. See ya. Welcome back from the interview. Now we're going to chat about music etiquette at music festivals. Um, we had a Heard It Here First writer, Ali Mooney, uh, give MP3 Mag an awesome write-up 
about music festival etiquette. And she mentioned what to do about inflatable couches. So Meg, you want to give us a little roundup? What's going on? Well, I feel like this is a debate as old as time, you know, but like to sit down and enjoy their music experience. And, you know, I have done the same at many a festival. It's pretty, pretty freaking cool. If I do have to say so, because, you know, get the vibrations on the couch too it picks up you know it's a nice 360 immersive it's kind of similar to um the sub packs that people wear sometimes at home but not quite the same but for a live music component that's kind of you know a similarity that i get there but you know debate here revolves around where and when these couches are appropriate and i think that there's definitely a line um and it changes and it varies but you know we want to kind of establish or give our opinions per se on what we think is most respectable to those around you while still enjoying the experience yourself. And I know Dan has had some firsthand experience with this at a good old Tipper and Friends. Yes, indeed. Uh, Tipper and Friends, you know, there were definitely a lot of couches around, but they did keep it behind the sound booth. And I mean, for good reason, because it was like set up as an amphitheater essentially. So it would be really bad if couches were on that dance floor. Is that the one uh, where they posted signs saying like, no couches allowed? Was that Tipper and Friends or was that a different festival? Oh, that was, uh, I I believe that was Secret Dreams. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone was like, okay. So they brought their entire campsite up instead. (laughs) Oh boy, leave it to the wolves to find a way. Yeah, always find the loophole. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tipper and Friends, they at least kept it behind the sound booth, but like there were a lot. And like you definitely had to pay very close attention, like where you were walking. Um, then you have a, something like Sound Haven uh, in Tennessee that I went to last July. And you had people setting up their chairs and couches, you know, like 15, 20 feet from the rail. Wow. <laughs> that's like, I mean, maybe, maybe, that... that's, maybe like 30 feet. Like it was definitely very close to the rail. It's a smaller festival though. Correct. So like, was it, how did you, did that impact like people's experience around them that you could, you know, see your pickup on or not so much? I mean, People still found a way to get down and have a good time. Uh, But, you know, as each day progressed and, like, you get to, like, Jade Cicada or Detox Unit as, like, the headliner, there are just so many chairs and couches spread out, like, in front of the sound booth. Yeah. So, there, I mean, at, at something like that, there were less people. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I think like if it had sold out, it would have been a real problem. Yeah. I mean, cause then you get to the point where it just becomes like a safety hazard for people in the crowd trying to navigate around it. And I guess, as I say that, you know, my experience was with it at the UNS, like, even though it's a smaller festival, yeah, it doesn't mean that there's still like more room because it's smaller, less people, like it's a smaller space still too. But when I was there. A couple of years back, there was somebody had a full on hammock stand in the crowd. And 
not gonna lie, it's pretty sweet to sit in a hammock during a set. However, there was definitely people like going through the crowd trying to weave in and out, and then accidentally hitting, you know, either mm-hmm. end of the stand that's poking out, and like that kind of hurts when you run into that. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're running into some issues there, and it's like, where's the line between? Enjoying your own experience while still being respectful to others. And I feel like Allie had a great take on it. You know, like we were kind of, you were alluding to behind the sound booth, like just give people enough dance floor space, to, you know, who want to stand, who want to enjoy and do their stuff and dance. And if you're going to sit down, I mean, like, it's a little different when it's like an amphitheater setting, but if it's not an amphitheater setting and you're sitting down, you're not going to see the stage anyways. Just go sit in the back. Like, I understand you want to sit. I get tired too. We're guilty of that. But, you know, it's just about also being considerate, being respectful of other people. Same vein as, you know, saying, excuse me, when you're Mm -hmm. moving through a crowd. She kind of was talking about that stuff, too. It's all revolves around this, you know, just be considerate of those around you. It's not. It's yeah, it's definitely a self-awareness problem. If if you're in a situation where you're not bothering anybody by sitting in your chair, like that's great. And if you're in a situation where you're bothered by someone who's sitting in a chair, maybe walk around them. But as soon as it becomes an absolute hazard to be able to walk around somebody and it's dark and they can't see you, you're putting yourself in a position where you're inconveniencing a lot of people uh, and a lot of people are inconvenienced by you. So how does that help anybody? Um, right. Definitely, it's an etiquette thing. You have to understand that sometimes you can't do exactly what you want to do just because you can't. Um, I like to say if you're near a structure or a wall, that's a good spot to put down a chair. Um, if you're directly yeah. on, on top of it so that you can't get multiple angles of people walking through, because then it's just the occasional person trying to slip by. And, and it's pretty understandable that next to a big structure or a wall where people aren't walking that you're set up. So I think that's a good rule. I think behind the booth is a great rule because that leaves usually a good central area where people can, you know, do their mosh pit and if they want to jump around. And, and that shouldn't be interrupted. You should really give that space right in front of the set where it should be. Because if you do that anywhere else, it's just too far away. It doesn't interact with the artist. It's also rude to the artist, frankly, because you can't interact with them if you're sitting down. And that's what they're looking for when they're right in front of the crowd. So it's it's tough to take that opportunity away from an artist to have a big moving dance floor right in front of them. Sure. Yeah, totally. I mean, and there's also something to be said for it was, I think, also at the uns, I noticed that like, know and it was kind of like a group effort like the line of where the chairs and couches started crept forward a little bit day by day and by the time we got to Sunday they were significantly further forward than they were on Friday however it was kind of like a all right we're all gonna do this like sections it wasn't just like one lone couch up in the front kind of deal you know people get tired I feel like I don't know it's hard because it's not like this is the exact way to do it just you know consider it be kind to other people Yep, it's it's all about self-awareness and, and being aware of the situation around you. Like if, if the entire crowd is moving up together and it's 75% of the crowd who wants to go sit, sure, go for it. But as soon as yeah. you start randomly inconveniencing people and putting a lot of people in trouble, like when four or five people in a row trip over you, you've now created a situation that you shouldn't be in. So Yeah, exactly. Courtesy, kindness. It's not dead. That's what it's all about. No, uh, it's not. And like... A a great way to do that is using a fan and adding the people around you. Um, I found a great way to be selfish through helping other people is by fanning people around you. And and that's a great way to cool off a whole space and everyone backs up and they say they like you. There's really nothing better. So 
you know, thinking about ways that you can be creative and help the people around you always comes back around in a good way. That's that like beautiful reciprocity aspect of festivals, you know, that everybody really likes. And, you know, those are some pillars I think it was alluded to in the article as well, you know, coming back from a couple dark years with everything that was happening in the world, like don't forget these core aspects of what festivals are supposed to be all about. Yeah, I think I think we've all seen people who, you know, are just there to have fun and, and get messed up and do whatever. But you can't let that kind of a person spoil your day and stop you from being a good person to everybody else. Because just being nice to one person might make their whole weekend a little better. Uh, you never really know who you're interacting with when you're walking through a crowd. So being as kind and understanding as possible is the best way to do it. Because then you can't be wrong. Agreed. Some like of the smallest moments of people at festivals or, you know, little exchanges with people stand out as like some of the most memorable experiences that I've had. And, you know, in the moment, you're not like, I'm going to make this person's whole festival by doing this one little thing. Like, no, you're like, oh, I'm going to say something really nice to this person. And I've carried that with me, you know, years later still and probably remember it forever. So another know. thing people forget is that their favorite artists walk around the crowd a lot. Like they just they throw on a face mask or a hat, a pair of sunglasses, and they just walk around. Um, it's kind of yeah. tough to pick out all sorts of people who you only see once in a while in a crowd. So imagine if your favorite artist is walking through a crowd and was heavily inconvenienced by you. How would you feel about that? So these aren't just random people that you're always stopping. It, it could be your friends. It could be people who could be your friends. It could be your favorite artist. So you got to think courteously to those around you and, and good things will come. Totally. Rules to live by. Dan, you got Basketball any summation by. thoughts here? Um, just to go back to what Meg said about just like the natural uh, exchange of like just like nice things. I'm like a big organic quid pro quo guy. So like <laughs> that really spoke to me. Love that. Somebody gave me this little rubber ducky because she said that I had the best vibes that she's seen all weekend. And still have that duck and i'll have it forever it was like the coolest nicest thing i just stand there dancing to sun squabby and she was like you're the best i have something for you i was like okay i, I do yeah. love a good festival knickknack and the only way to get those is to just randomly impress people by how nice yeah. or courteous or kind you've been to them for no reason and and yeah. eventually things just pop up and they'll just hand you like a bracelet i've been one time i got handed a, a laminated two-page schedule on an extendable clip for Bonnaroo. And it was wow. the greatest thing. Everybody was like, where did you get that? <laughs> Everyone was walking through the crowd, like uh, talking about it. And I was like, somebody just gave it to me. Because I said, excuse me, when I was walking through a crowd. I didn't even bother. Um, it was it was just the kindest little thing to do. To And those things are out there. You just got to look for them by being nice. And eventually they the, come to you. And it's like little Easter the, eggs hidden around. The The crazy thing is, there are some times where you don't even have to be doing anything at all. Like yeah. there, there was one time at uh, Yonderville last year. I'm just like chilling with Noah, uh, one of our writers. And th this girl just walks up to me and just like hands me this like Charles the first print, like this nice little crown, like custom drawing that she made. And she's just like, I saw your beanie and I wanted to give this. I was like, dude, like what? Like, thank you. Like, that is so crazy. Like so nice. I'm just standing there and like this this these things happen and it's just like there are very nice 
genuine, beautiful people at festivals. Yeah. One of my other favorite ones is I was walking in and out of the uh, house stage at Lightning in a Bottle, the Woogie stage, and I came out and like, probably like an hour later i felt like something on my scarf and i went to go grab it and somebody had just clipped a little uh paper or what's it called clothespin onto my scarf it was like rhinestone said you are beautiful happy lighting in a bottle and i was like wow that's that's kind of nice that really made me happy in that moment and yeah i just love those little things little, little festival moments like that uh that's that's what it's about it's it's a oh, great so. quid pro quo uh reward system there like you do something nice uh. You just be a good person. You don't inconvenience people. You think courteously, and and good things happen, and that spreads through the whole festival. Um, as soon as a festival loses that, it it's not as special, you know. But when that yeah, when that totally. core group of people going to that festival every year are, are kind, genuine, thoughtful people, it really brings that place to another level that makes you want to go back every year. So your little interactions and the way you treat other people makes the festival a better place for you. So you can you can unintentionally find anything at a festival by just like being a decent human being. Yeah, it'll yeah. just come to you, which is crazy. How many festivals yeah. have you guys been to? I think I did a count that was about thirty if you put them all together over seven. Oh my years. gosh! I don't I don't know. I would have to count. I know I did like twelve last year alone. I think because I was working some. I, oh my god! You were maybe it was, I don't know. Maybe it was. I did four weekends in a row one yes. month, and I was like, "Yeah, that's not gonna happen again." But it was fun. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely takes a lot out of you. Um, when you call oh your parents god, and you say like, oh, "I'm going down to down to Los Angeles this weekend," they're like, "What festival are you going to?" Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> what show are you going to this weekend? <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, the number's getting up there. Not enough. That's not the enough. There's never enough. Not enough. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's yeah. sunny and five every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. I, I I used to get to have my my seven month break, just mixed into the year in the in the East Atlantic. Yeah. All right. So, ouches or not, just be a nice person. Make somebody's day. Um. In other news, we recently hit our one hundredth guest mix for the heard it here first guest mix uh series and we have Ooh. volume 101 coming out this week i believe uh as of recording so last week uh nudge nudge go check it out um i think that's it for today we appreciated having you on we hope that you have a good discussion with your festival homies about how to be courteous and kind and give our our dear friend ali a big shout out for her awesome article with mp3 mag that'll be linked on our page as well um you guys all have a great day. Thank you for listening. Um, see ya. Take care. Peace.